Just because a label states that an ingredient is present in the supplement you're taking doesn't mean you're obtaining its full benefit. The key is bioavailability how much is absorbed, and gets to where it's needed. That's why I recommend and use Future Farm Botanicals. Future Farm sources the most potent, highest quality ingredients, and then uses liposomal technology to assure optimal uptake. All Future Farm formulas are custom organic blends, crafted from the finest raw ingredients by certified chemists and herbalists. Future Farm offers some of the most innovative products I've seen in quite a while, addressing a variety of issues, from inflammation to immune support. I use their supplements, prescribe them in my practice, and I'm proud to recommend them to you, listeners of Intelligent Medicine. For more information and to order, call 888-841-7216, 888-841-7216, or go to myfuturefarm.com slash Hoffman. That's myfuturephafm, myfuturefarm.com slash Hoffman. All Future Farm products are all natural, science-based, and work without adverse side effects. MyFutureFarm.com slash Hoffman. Welcome back to today's Intelligent Medicine Podcast. I'm your host, Dr. Ronald Hoffman. We're talking today about Alpha-Gal Syndrome. It's the epidemic you never heard of, but today you're going to hear about it. Or certainly, if you listen to part one, uh, our guest today, Sharon Forsyth, uh, who is the creator of the Alpha-Gal Syndrome Awareness Campaign. You can get information at alpha-gal information, right? That's the website, dot com, dot org. No dash, but otherwise, yes. Okay, alpha-gal information. Uh, great. And so uh, what's life for you like as an alpha-gal sufferer? Uh, you know, tell me what uh, avoidances you have to undergo to minimize your exposure to alpha-gal? Well, one of the good things about alpha-gal is that um, over time, you tend to be less reactive. So my life is a little bit less limited now than it was when I was uh, first diagnosed. Mm -hmm. Uh, But when I was first diagnosed, um, it was almost impossible for me to, to travel because anytime you eat in a restaurant, you almost always are um, uh, exposed to alpha-gal via... Inadvertently, right. You don't have to order a steak to be uh, exposed inadvertently. If you think about a commercial kitchen, all the surfaces are covered with fat. Uh-huh. The pan covered with fat, the utensils are covered with fat. And that's not a problem for people with other allergies because yep. their allergens aren't found in fat, but ours is in the fat. Mm-hmm. So um, it's usually a, a protein is the vehicle for most uh, allergies, right? Yeah. So, uh, you know, that's why, uh, for example, fish oil is an example of this. Fish oil that's highly purified, even people with fish allergies, they, they, they might do okay on fish oil unless they're exceedingly allergic to fish. Uh, so it's, it's, you know, even if you are somewhat allergic to fish, uh, you might give fish oil a trial. That's an example of where the protein is eliminated, but it's, in this case, it's the fat that adheres to a sugar molecule uh, that uh, is the vehicle for bringing that into the body, and that can cause problems. Okay, got it now. Uh, mm-hmm. All right, so so now, uh, and by the way, that brings up the question, uh, does alpha-gal syndrome go away on its own accord? Do people, you know, just have to wait it out for a few years, and, you know, then they can reacquire the ability to eat uh, animal proteins? Um. So interestingly, alpha-gal syndrome does tend to wane and often people go completely into remission. Um, 
And this is probably because our uh, gut bacteria produce alpha-gal, so we're constantly being exposed to it, and mm -hmm. we kind of have our own built-in uh, oral therapy. Like tolerance, yeah. Like a yeah, it builds tolerance. Um, but it's kind of dangerous to believe that you're cured because often um, you just your remission ends suddenly and unexpectedly. Mm -hmm. So many of us will never go back to eating red meat, right? Even if we seem to be able to tolerate it. And another thing about alpha gal is that the reactions are very variable. You could eat a steak every day for ten months and then uh, have a severe life-threatening reaction. And in fact, somebody in our community died under those very circumstances um, recently. They um, they thought that they had recovered from alpha-gal, and they uh, ate red meat for 10 months and then ate a taco and, and died as a result. Goodness, goodness gracious. Um, so this is not just a nuisance. This is a, a life-threatening syndrome, potentially. So uh, yeah. what's your what's your daily routine like? You give us a typical breakfast, lunch, and dinner. What what foods do you eat to minimize exposure to alpha-gal? Um, I, uh, I avoid processed foods almost entirely mm -hmm. because it's very difficult to check all of them to see whether they have uh, things like vitamin D3, Mono and yeah, that's interesting. Vitamin D3 is from lanolin. That's important. Yeah. For, people are very into vitamin D3 as the preferred form of vitamin D. Uh, so if, do you take vitamin D? It's an important thing to take. Do you, or do you tolerate vitamin D2, which is from uh, mushroom-derived vitamin D? I actually take uh, vegan D3. Because, you know, which is mushroom-derived, D2, yeah. Yeah, mm -hmm. exactly. Okay. And some... Um, some fungi actually do express alpha-gal, but mm. I've never had a problem with the, um, with the, with the vegan D3. So I, I think, I'm guessing, whatever they use to produce it doesn't. Um, wow. So I don't eat processed food for the most part. And when I do, I make sure it's vegan certified, mm -hmm. not just the label. Um, and yeah, for breakfast, actually lately I've been just having a big bowl of lentil soup for breakfast. Mm -hmm. but, you know, eggs are fine. Um, mm -hmm. Um, you know, a mushroom spinach omelet, but, you know, nothing out of a package. Right. And, and uh, yeah. A typical lunch or dinner, you know, what are you looking for? Is your protein source, main course, so on? For lunch, I have salad, one of the safest foods for people with alpha-gal. <laughs> okay. Someone's never contaminated. Um, for supper, if I want to have a protein, that's kind of tricky. Mm -hmm. If I stick with vegan food, I'm fine. Okay. If I have fish, um, I almost always react to fish if I in a restaurant or if it's not fish. If I buy fish that wasn't frozen, I will only buy fish from a producer um, directly after I talk to them and find out whether the fish was flash frozen on the ship or or not uh -huh. because it's frequently treated. And I'm not even 100% sure what it's always huh. treated with. Um, but then, and you know, canned tuna, for example, yeah. mm -hmm. is it's processed with something. I don't know exactly what, but probably mm -hmm. carrageenan. So there are mm -hmm. only certain kinds of tuna that we can eat. Huh. Um, and, and poultry, a non-mammalian source of protein, but you say that sometimes that's treated as well. So are yeah. you able to find a, pro, uh, a, a chicken or turkey product that you can tolerate? Yeah, sometimes. And again, cross-contamination is an issue there as well. So I'm just very careful to buy, you know, organic chicken, make sure it hasn't been injected with either beef broth mm -hmm. or carrageenan 
Um, and uh, there's actually a, a farm in North Carolina that uh, raises emus. Okay. And yeah, you can, you can eat emu, ostrich, and they also have a lot of duck products. And the owner has alpha-gal syndrome. Oh. So many of us buy our products from him because mm -hmm. we know he's not going to cross-contaminate them. Wow. And emu and ostrich, I can't I actually can't distinguish ostrich from beef. And you have sources uh, for these foods on your uh, at alpha-gal information on your website. Yeah, absolutely. Um, okay. And uh, for personal care products, I reacted to almost all my personal care products when I was first diagnosed. Mm -hmm. um, and so we have a personal care products page. Um, now, not everybody who has alpha-gal is that sensitive. I just want to be interested mm -hmm. about that. But if you are, and, you know, if you aren't reacting to your personal care products, it doesn't make sense to go out and right. change all of them. But if you do react, we do provide that information. Vegan brands that, you know, people have recommended. Are, are you, I'm sorry, go ahead. Go ahead. Oh, they also have to, even if they're vegan, they could contain carrageenan. So for people that react to carrageenan, for that mm -hmm. subset of the alpha-gal community. So, so that would be, since you can't drink milk, uh, that would be many of the so-called milk substitutes, you know, like oat milk, uh, almond milk. Sometimes these are made with carrageenan, right? Absolutely. Yeah. Wow. Or non-dairy ice creams, you know, because... And why, again, is dairy a product? I mean, dairy is a mammalian product, but it's not meat. You know, if it comes from a cow, it's going to have some traces. Is that the idea behind dairy avoidance? Um, well, um, some fats and some proteins that mammals make are covered in alpha-gal, kind of like fur. Hmm. And some of those proteins and, and fats are in milk. Somebody's actually like looked at the different proteins and, and, you know, tested them to figure out which ones actually seem to contain alpha-gal and which ones don't. You know, whey seems to be a bad one, for example. Hmm. Casein, less so. Casein, less so. So that makes it more likely that uh, uh, hard cheeses would be less likely to cause a problem. But uh, if they don't uh, contain rennet, yeah. If they don't contain rennet, exactly. Rennet, which is the starter, uh, which is, I believe, from animal intestines. Exactly. Wow. So some use bacterial rennet. And if mm. you're dairy tolerant, you might be able to eat those, but not ones that are made with rennet. Mm -hmm. And do you, do you take supplements? And you have to be careful because a lot of them come in gel caps. Are you tolerating uh, vitamins, minerals, and supplements in veggie caps? Uh, yeah, absolutely. If I buy vegan vitamins, I'm fine. And I actually get B12 shots because a lot of people with alpha-gal end up um, B12 deficient. And I was deficient enough that my doctor recommended mm. the shots. Right, as an alternative to eating meat. Um, right. So, okay. Uh, are you uh, disappointed at the slow rate of acceptance and awareness of this uh, syndrome in the medical community? Um, at first, I was utterly shocked. And I was also really frustrated that some of my friends who are physicians seemed resistant. Hmm. But I think once they start seeing um, studies where, you know, like where they looked at anaphylaxis, everybody who presented with anaphylaxis at a particular practice, and 33% of them turned out to have alpha-gal, which is more than all other food allergies combined. 
um, then they really start to see the light. And I think the new challenge within the medical community is getting them to accept that there's a GI variant where people who only have GI symptoms and that this accounts for such a large percentage of people who, you know, think they have IBS in areas where there's a lot of lone star ticks. So what's in your medical cabinet? Uh, do you stock uh, EpiPens? Do you have uh, antihistamines uh, present? Uh, your EpiPens will save your life. Do the antihistamines minimize symptoms if you have symptoms? Yeah, I think I have nine medications related to Alpha-Gal syndrome um, in my emergency kit. EpiPens, obviously. Mm-hmm. Uh, Benadryl, it's a very controversial drug, but I find it does help with hives. Mm-hmm. Um, and then, uh, you know, Zyrtec, uh, Zyrtec actually contains mammal derived, uh, magnesium stearate, but I tolerate it. Uh, and actually we don't take Benadryl. We take Unisom sleep melts because there's, uh, mammalian byproducts in Benadryl. Mm -hmm. So Um, you have to ask uh, the pharmacist or read the, I mean, how do you find out if the medication you're taking has, I mean, for example, the same problem happens with people have celiac disease. Many medications have flour or starch as an ingredient, and the minute amounts of that can trigger their celiac. And similarly for you, it's it's animal uh, byproducts that are in medication that can be a problem. How do you find out if there is any of that? Or do you have a listing? Do you provide a listing on your website? Um, so first of all, I think it's really important to emphasize that um, the riskiness of different medications varies enormously for people with alpha-gal. Some are absolutely contraindicated for everyone, and some are tolerated by the vast majority of us. Mm-hmm. If you happen to be sensitive to alpha-gal, um, then it's a very difficult, convoluted process because you could just pick any random medication your doctor recommended and start to research it. Um, but then the chances that it will contain alpha-gal are pretty high. Mm -hmm. So normally what I recommend is for people who are very sensitive is get a recommendation from the alpha-gal community of something that they think is okay, or start with a liquid version of a medication, which is less likely to contain contain alpha-gal. Then you research it on the NIH uh, website, Daily Med. Mm -hmm. Look at the ingredients. If if nothing jumps out at you as containing alpha-gal, then we contact um, the manufacturer or else a drug information hotline. Um, and then they and you know they can help you if the manufacturer won't talk to you, which is often the case. Do, do you ever seek partnerships with compounding pharmacies? Because for people who are sensitive to certain food colorings and ingredients uh, and they need a medication, sometimes the alternative is to get it specially compounded with the uh, precisely the drug without any additives uh, or flavorings or uh, you know, different things that they use as vehicles for the drugs? Um, absolutely. I have never had to have a drug compounded, but this is very common in the alpha community. And the really unfortunate thing is that often the insurance companies won't cover it, even yeah. if they, there is not an alternative yeah. for them. And uh, a case in which this commonly occurs is with thyroid medication. Mm-hmm. Um, now there actually are a couple of thyroid medications that are alpha-gal free. Mm-hmm. Um, but for a long time, because thyroid, 
the thyroid medications have to be really high in alpha-gal. Yeah, it's, pe- it's pig-derived. It's for your, they, it comes from the meat industry. Armor thyroid is from, exactly. uh, you know, from pig thyroids. Correct. So um, even people who, who don't react to trace amounts of alpha-gal have often had problems with their thyroid medication mm-hmm. and needed to have it compounded, and the insurance companies won't cover it. Mm-hmm. So sometimes they just go without. Right. I think an insulin would be another example of that, although now they have bioengineered insulin, which is purely the insulin uh, protein, and it's, in no, it's no longer derived from animals. It used to be ground up pancreas, you know, that yeah. they would process into insulin. But now I think they can just bioengineer the insulin, so it should be less of a problem. Of course, uh, insulin is, you can't dispense with that. Uh, but for people, you know, it's a big community, and clearly, you know, there's some people who have uh, blood pressure problems. They have, you know, various medical conditions that require constant medication, so they have to be careful. Um, so, you know, we, we cover the gamut. But when I asked the question about uh, the um, pervasiveness of this, and you answered it understandably by talking about how pervasive the sources of alpha-gal were. But what I was uh, going for is uh, how many people do you think have alpha-gal and what percentage of people have been properly diagnosed? It may be just the tip of the iceberg, right? Well, alpha-gal was first described in 2009. And I think that year there were 12 people who had been diagnosed. So rare. Yeah. Perceived to be rare. Number diagnosed was rare. Mm -hmm. And the number of people diagnosed has grown exponentially. And, a couple, in 2019, I think it was 34,000 people in the United States had been diagnosed, um, which seems like a lot, but it's still, um, you know, the tip of the iceberg in terms of the number of people that we um, estimate have alpha-gal. So we have data on the prevalence of alpha-gal sensitization in different parts of the country. Um, and what that means is that those are the people who produce the allergic antibody, the alpha-gal. And only a percentage of them actually have the clinical allergy. But we have numbers for all of that. So we can estimate that 3% of many populations have alpha-gal. You know, 3% mm-hmm. of much of Virginia, North Carolina, Missouri, mm-hmm. the East Coast, probably the Hamptons there in New York. Mm-hmm. Um, so it's, it's localized. So if you're from, I don't know, yeah. let's pick a place, Hawaii. Maybe it's less prevalent there than in uh, New England or in the mid-Atlantic states. Absolutely. If you're not being bitten by ticks and you don't have uh, intestinal parasites, it's not very likely that you have alpha-gal. What's the Um, intestinal parasite connection? um, Well, there's only preliminary data on this, but uh, there's a South African study which suggests that um, roundworms can trigger alpha-gal syndrome. Hmm. We've known for years that people with roundworms have much higher rates of sensitization to alpha-gal. They're producing that allergic antibody, but we actually didn't think that that was causing them to be symptomatic. So 79% of the population in Kenya, for example, that they looked at uh, tested positive for alpha-gal immunoglobulin E. Mm-hmm. Um, but now this study actually suggests that it can trigger the syndrome. But so you can test positive, but not necessarily have symptoms. You can be relatively asymptomatic or minimally symptomatic and test positive. So it, it, it's not something where 
you know, everybody should show up at their doctor's office and get screened for alpha-gal because some people will have that uh, IgE antibody, but not, but it may make no difference uh, clinically for them. Am I, do I have that correct? Absolutely. And some doctors are now ordering it along with a tick panel, mm-hmm. and that's not appropriate at all because okay. actually odds are that you will not have clinical allergy. Okay. Alpha-gal. So, um, you know, and the numbers vary a little for reasons I won't bore you with, but, um, you know, one to 8% of everybody who tests positive for Afghal, depending what the threshold is and what the, what their diet is, will have, uh, you know, full fledged allergy as mm-hmm. defined as anaphylactic reactions to red meat. So, so this is an orphan disease, you know, this month, the entire month of March, uh, is, uh, colon, colorectal cancer awareness month because of the pervasiveness of this condition and how many people die of it. Uh, this is a rel- at least so far, a relatively uncommon condition and a relatively new condition. Uh, are adequate research dollars being allocated to this? And is there any effort to crowdfund or support uh, research efforts? Uh, this is a huge issue. I'm guessing you probably already know that tick-borne disease in general is grossly underfunded relative mm-hmm. to the amount of suffering uh, associated with it and the number of people who suffer from tick-borne diseases. And then within the tick-borne disease pool, alpha-gal is kind of the orphan. And it's in part because um, our community has just been so newly identified and there aren't that many people studying it. And we don't have a, a, you know, a lobbying force. Like the, the Lyme community now is a pretty substantial lobbying force. So, yeah. Also, I mean, there's, there's no drug uh, company impetus to, to do research because it's not like they've got a cure. Absolutely. You're right about that. The cure, um, the so cure is a lifestyle. Our, in our community, we try to raise funds for alpha-gal research. And, mm-hmm. you know, every year we raise, you know, several thousand dollars, but that's not going to, you know, it doesn't compensate for lack of federal funding. Okay, so, so future casting... Uh, I mean, the good news is that this can be kept under control with lifestyle measures, you know, diet modification and avoidance of exposures to the skin potentially. But uh, is there on the horizon uh, a potential high-tech cure, some sort of uh, monoclonal antibody? I'm just speculating here that could block the uh, alpha-gal reaction. Uh, Is that somewhere on the drawing boards? Um. Well, researchers are asking that question, and there and there are trials where they're looking at that. Um, so, omalizumab has been used pretty successfully in people with alpha-gal. Um, that's Solare, and that is a monoclonal yes. antibody. Mm-hmm. And um, used for asthma, used a lot for asthma. Yeah, and there's um, a researcher, one of the leading experts at University of North Carolina, uh, Scott Cummins, who is looking at the possibility of. Uh, an injection that would interrupt the process of the allergy developing or um, after you're bitten by a tick. Mm-hmm. Um, bef- because it takes several weeks for you to actually, you know, start producing the IgE, like, typically four to six weeks at a minimum mm-hmm. before you actually become allergic to red meat. So his idea is to intervene in that interval. Hmm. And then they're looking for a microbiome signature. Oh. and in the possibility of um, fecal transplants. Mm-hmm. 
Well, one of the great things about Africa is that you can actually observe the allergy um, developing, which you can't do for any other allergy because we don't, you can't tie it to a specific event, sensitization mm-hmm. to other allergens. Mm-hmm. So obviously an object of uh, research interest, which is good news for the uh, growing alpha-gal community. And, you know, I really want to commend you as uh, a patient advocate because uh, you've done a, a deep dive on this. Uh, you're not a physician, uh, but you're, you're wading in deeply into the uh, weeds uh, with this complex subject, and you're very well informed. Um, so give us, uh, once again, the information about where people can find out more about AlphaGal. Absolutely. Um, well, uh, our website is AlphaGal Information. So AlphaGal Information in all one word, strung together. Probably should have come up with something shorter. Okay, uh, mm-hmm. that works. And I'm sure if uh, you Google it, uh, you'll get to the correct website. So uh, thank you very much. And you know, I look forward to uh, hearing from you as progress is made in dealing with this. And I wish you uh, good luck in your personal journey. It sounds like uh, you're on the road to at least amelioration of this condition, if not full full-fledged recovery, but you seem to have developed a coping strategy. So uh, kudos to you for taking the initiative, especially when uh, the resources for it were limited and you had to hunt them down, uh, which is, I think, the essence of being a good uh, advocate. So great stuff. I really appreciate you being on. That's Sharon Forsyth, uh, who is creator of the Alpha Gal Syndrome Awareness Campaign. I'm Dr. Ronald Hoffman, and this is the Intelligent Medicine Podcast. As an Intelligent Medicine listener, you know how important it is to ensure that your supplements are genuine, safe, and effective. But vetting your sources and tracking down the exact products you need can be a hassle. That's why I'm inviting you to browse my online supplement dispensary at drhoffmanstore.com. We stock only the highest quality supplements, some of which are very hard to find elsewhere. The very same supplements I prescribe to my patients and take myself. My specially curated professional-grade supplements are fulfilled via the Fullscript network. Fullscript is the safest and most convenient way to purchase my medical-grade supplements. Buying through Fullscript offers fast shipping, optional refill reminders, a mobile-friendly site. It's safe, secure, and HIPAA-compliant, and offers world-class support. Just go to drhoffmanstore.com to sign up for your free Fullscript account. You'll also receive free shipping on all of your store orders. That's drhoffmanstore.com. drhoffmanstore.com.